Not in our street, but somewhere close by, lives an elderly man. I often pass him in the street with a slight nod and a small smile. He's always by himself. I often wonder about his wife and family. The main character in Tess Evans' new book is George Johnson, an elderly pensioner. Tess Evans, where did you find him? Well, it's wonderful how you how you find people. I was sitting on the train one day and overheard a conversation between two women and they were trying to outdo each other in how awful their children were. Um, now, these children seem to be quite normal kids doing normal kid things, but, but these women were... Um, I think they were going for the Guinness Book of Records of the most awful child. <laughs> anyway, as when they got out, um, the old man sitting opposite me caught my eye and he said... They don't know how lucky they are. And with that, George was born. I wondered, you know, here's a man who had some longing for a child. Had he had, he had a child who died? Had he, uh, was he estranged from his children? Didn't he have children at all? So um, my George, I decided, had never had children but wanted them. So what other family did he have? Well, he had, um, he had his wife, Pen, who died three years before the book starts. Um, he, he loved Pen dearly, but he also relied on her. Um, he was one of those men that seems to need a woman to organise him. So he um, now relies on his sister, Cheryl, who's one of those bossy women who love organising people. And, and look, a, little, a little quote from the book about Cheryl, yes. his sister, who wields her daunting bosom like some Amazon shield. <laughs> well, she, she is a bit like that. They're, they're, they're very kind-hearted, these women, but they can be extremely annoying. Yeah. Well, it's curdled milk that drives him out early one morning for tea and toast. Another quote, it's the first time since he and Penn married that he has eaten alone in public, probably the first time ever. So he has, he goes down to a local cafe and breakfast is over by 8.30. There's a whole lot of day to fill in. But what happens? Well, he, he does his shopping and uh, takes a shortcut down the lane uh, where he's accosted by two young thugs. Um, they're, really, they're boys, really, 14 or 15, and, uh, but George is, is uh, not as strong as he used to be. So they knock him over, they kick him, they take his wallet. And while they're in the middle of kicking him, um, a young woman comes out of the blue and chases them away. Um, mm. And this young woman is Angie. Right. Well, through the story, bit by bit, we learn about George and Cheryl's own background, That's their right. family life. Yes. That wasn't particularly happy, was it? It wasn't. And uh, there is a closeness between George and Cheryl because they, they did suffer um, from an abusive father and a mother who couldn't seem to quite manage manage them. She'd take them off to their grandparents when things became too difficult. So Cheryl was almost like a second mother to George. She was she was a bit older and she looked after him when he was a boy and she still feels that she has that role in his life now. And I like the choice of how Cheryl chose a husband, Bill. He took the pledge. <laughs> he took the pledge. <laughs> and even though George uh, sort of looks down on him for being a teetotaler, he says at one point he can't really blame her after their father's drinking. Mm. We also learn about Penny leaving George for a few weeks early in their marriage. This was all to do with having a family, which mm. they didn't. Mm. And another quote, when Penn was alive, 
people seem to drop in all the time. Mercy Street, it's the name of the book and where George lived, pulsed with life. It had heart. But now that Penn's gone, he's getting old by himself. But he does have a bit of a, a, a friend who's just a bit younger. Yes, his, his friend is Redgum, um, whom I always see as Shane Jacobson, actually. <laughs> a, a big, um, kindly man, um, a man of few words, uh, but um, he has his own simple wisdom. Um, not He's not simplistic, but he's uncomplicated. And um, when he goes to visit George, when George is... Um, still recuperating from from the the beating he's most uncomfortable standing beside his bed and he he says well I'll push off then you know (laughs) they have those quiet words over a beer Mm. or two Mm. and very thoughtful but I think they they trust each other's judgment they do they do very much so well back home George is sort of still a bit sore after the assault and who comes to the door and what does she want well um, Angie, the young woman, appears at the door uh, one afternoon, and uh, with her child, who um, is a, a you know a sort of a grubby, unappealing child, really, and uh, and says uh, basically, you know, George, you'll you'll need to look after her while I go to the job centre. And uh, George is horrified, of course, because he's really had nothing much to do with children, much and all as he would have liked one, and um, and he also understands it's quite unsuitable that he should. That she should leave her young yeah. child with a stranger, but but Angie uh, is, is a creature of impulses, really. So she she, she does what does. she gets by. Yeah, well, he doesn't really have a choice about helping. But there's a Chinese proverb that comes out of this: if you save someone's life, it's you who owes them. Yes, yes. And this is this is an interesting way because it it uh, sort of comes in in different plays. Anyway, well, the reaction of bossy sister Cheryl when he knows that when she knows that her little brother's looking after a, a, a child, she, she's absolutely <laughs> horrified. And and what's worse, the child has her shoes on Penn's good velvet couch, oh. <laughs> so. She, 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 she believes that, that Angie is using George, which in one sense she is. But, um, I mean, Cheryl's uh, the sort of woman who worries about details, the grubby face, the sticky oh. fingers, etc. Don't let that washcloth lady near me. <laughs> <laughs> now, but Cheryl is always interested in a project involving personal improvement mm. of someone. So yes. how does she get involved with Angie? Well... Um, Angie goes off to her first job interview um, in most unsuitable clothing, um, you know, the, 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 the mini skirts and the, yeah. the, the black lipstick and all the rest of it. Um, and even George understands that, that isn't quite right. So he asks his sister to help. And um, in the end, uh, Cheryl goes to the – she works for the Save the Children Fund um, in an op shop. And um, considering the way she looks on uh, Rory for a while, you have to wonder about that. <laughs> But anyway, she finds some clothes that she thinks will be suitable and um, and she's not so interested in that really. <laughs> However, she, she does put them on in the end, yeah. And she does get the job. And she does get the job, yes. So it's George. It's cooking and it's cleaning and it's washing. Now, I'm, I'm going to get Tess to just read that one paragraph yes. on page 67. Right. Uh, so um, Angie goes out and George asks if she, if she has any washing. So George hangs out the tatty bra and two pairs of knickers, 
one small and greyish and a larger red pair in a bikini style with ragged lace edging. He's uncomfortable handling these intimate garments and makes sure that they are on the middle wire of the rotary clothesline. Not that he cares what the neighbours think of him, but Angie's poverty isn't a thing to put on display for the whole world to see. The neighbours. Who are the neighbours? The neighbours are a Vietnamese couple um, who Penny, of course, spoke to when she was alive. um, And uh, they even came to her funeral and bought some food. But George didn't trust this foreign food, so so he throws it in the bin. Not that they knew that. But um, they they offer their grandchildren swing uh, for Rory. And uh, George gradually becomes friendly with them. And, um, and they're lovely, peaceful people. And they give George um, something quite precious in, in the way of a gift of, of, of um, meditation, in a way, I suppose you call it. Yeah. It was, yeah. You've got to read the book to find out about that because it was just so nice. Now, um, what, what's the first thing? It's sort of you, this young kid is in his house. And she doesn't have much in the way of clothing. You know, he's putting tatty stuff. And she's yeah. wearing the same T-shirt. So she go. He, uh, George goes out and buys something. Yes. Well, after um, she has her bath on the first night, she comes out in the clothes that she had worn during the day. And Angie has to admit, um, with with some sort of embarrassment, really, that she doesn't have any pyjamas. So George, even though he doesn't like the child and um, doesn't want to have really much to do with her, just decides, of course, because he's a kind person at heart, to go out and buy her some pyjamas. So he buys her two pair and some doggy slippers. He can't resist those. And yeah. slipper dog becomes kind of like the, instead of on the foot, the cuddly toy yes, on the pillow. Yes, yeah, she doesn't have a toy, so... Yes, the dog becomes the one. Well, as we said, Angie gets a job and Rory starts school. Mm. And what about George? What does he become? Uh, George um, secretly likes books and um, at school he had one teacher who looked after him well. Um, And um, so he he does take, take Rory to the library and when the teacher finds this out on she she asked if he'll become a reading mum. A reading mum, yes. And he's so chuffed that anyone would think that he he might be able to be clever enough to be a reading mum. So yes, he 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 does a job. He does that job. And, but he has yeah. to learn new skills too yeah. because he has to make. Well, Angie's out at work and she doesn't. Mm. She leaves at the very last minute. So it's up to uh, George to supervise Rory's breakfast and make lunch. Mm. But there's a note that comes home and says that lunches need to be healthy. Apparently, white bread, twisties, and a chocolate frog are not acceptable. <laughs> well, George thought they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angie becomes so comfortable in the house with George that mm. after work she starts going out. Mm. And this puts George into another problem. It's bathing little Rory, mm. you know, mm. Mm, doesn't know about that. And who comes to the rescue there? Well, of course, Cheryl comes to the rescue. <laughs> and um, George sits in the kitchen listening to them. Uh, she teaches Rory how to have a shower because uh, George realises that it would yeah. be safe, a child's safer in a shower than in a bath. And um, all sorts of noises come from the room and, and, and finally Cheryl um, comes out <laughs> triumphant as usual <laughs> with a clean child and, and a promise of, of animal soap if she if she can bath herself, yeah. shower herself. Later. It's not yeah. a bribe, it's a reward. That's, as that's what Cheryl, Cheryl said. <laughs> so... 
they decide to give Rory a fifth birthday party. Mm. How has she been? How has she brought George's community together? Well, I, I suppose everyone, um, if, if, if a child is in need, um, people tend to flock around, and that has happened. Um, so, you know, when George has never had a birthday party himself. Um, Angie's never had a birthday party and between them they decide that they'll have a birthday party for Rory with the help of Cheryl, of course, who's the only one who can make a cake. So um, they all come together to the party, including Bree, who is um, Rory's one friend um, and she, uh, we get to know her better as the book goes on. Right, we're yeah. going to talk, um, Tess is going to read a little bit more from the book because this gives an idea of just how things have changed in George's life. Right. Since Penn died, he had spent every day in the same way, without motivation, stagnating in a morass of futile wishing. Enduring the solitary nights while the hour hand crawled its way up to ten, the time he could go to bed and forget for a little while that she wasn't there beside him. He hadn't thought of it before, but his days then, like a dead battery, were truly spent, and his life was no more than the sum of those worn-out, washed-out days. But now, now that Rory was in his life, the days slipped by like minnows in a river. Like Shirl, he is always on the go, and he enjoys it, this new routine. Yeah, so... They're, t they're together for two years and it's just a lovely routine. There's um, the library, the, the, the footy, well, but this lovely routine after the fifth birthday party is sort of ruined. Angie leaves George a letter. That's right. Um, Angie... Angie has never really had a, a, a proper adolescence. She was she was a mother at fifteen, and she always has the feeling that she she's missed out on something. So now now they're settled with George. Um, she decides to go away just for a little while, fruit picking with um, a rather shady character mm. called Amp. Yes. <laughs> so they're at home. They're they're. Uh, for two years, Poppy, George and Angie share their lives. And then after two years, there's a bigger surprise when... Well, Angie decides to come back and, and George has more or less given up on her. Um, and, yes. and wants to take And even Rory. Rory's almost given yeah. up on her and uh, she's decided to come back and move to West Wyalong, <laughs> <laughs> which is a long way away. So... The decisions, the climax and the outcomes make this a fascinating read towards the end of the book. Mm. And how does media and the Lindy Chamberlain story get woven in? Right. Well, at one point, um, uh, George is looked upon as a possible pedophile. And uh, there are all sorts of Twitters and there are... Um, uh, you know, change.org sort of um, people coming out of the woodwork. Everyone is uh, making a judgment yeah. without really knowing. Um, they just believe 
whatever the headlines might say. Um, so I think that was really very much the case with Lindy Chamberlain too. Everyone mm. was busy judging by what they saw and not actually looking at the facts. Even George himself. Even George himself. Yes, yes he was, was ashamed very... to say later. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, Angie asked the question, why is everyone blaming me at the end? Mm. But earlier she'd spoken to a friend, Bree. I'm not ripping him off. He needs company. I need a place to say, stay. One wonders if moral obligations are also prone to social change. I think that's quite possible. Um, Angie, Angie's someone who's never really had a moral compass. Um, she's just someone who's, um, you wouldn't say she's immoral, but she's probably amoral. Um, but she, she actually has some streak in her that you feel that mm. if it was brought her out, um, she could be a better person. And you hope maybe that that has happened, um, you know, after the end of the book. Mm. Why, why, Tess Evans, why call it Mercy Street? Well, Mercy's a, an old-fashioned sort of mm. word, I suppose, but I don't think there's any other word that actually can take its place. Um, it's to do with sort of compassion and forgiveness, but it, it, it's, um, um, it's, it's, it's like the, the level of difficulty in diving, mm -hmm. in, in a way. It, there's another level of difficulty. It's, it's, it's showing um, compassion and forgiveness to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, um, who maybe you don't know, who's maybe someone who's even, even done wrong to you in some way. So it requires a, you know, a very special person to show mercy. You have a quote from Shakespeare at the beginning, mm -hmm. and it is, Mercy is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. Yes, mm. okay. I hope the book shows that. I, th I thought it did. <laughs> I had tears at the end too. Oh. Now, Tess Evans' other books have been The Book of Threads, which had that tea cosy uh, link, That's right, yes. and The Memory Tree, which yes. oh, had an interesting slide on interesting religions. Yes. So this one, Mercy Street, is, I just think, uh, just such a lovely book about loneliness, love and loss. Tess Evans, thank you very much. Thank you, Jen. Tess Evans' book was published by HarperCollins. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.